And we're live on another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Right now, I am joined by the phenomenal Jeremiah Oyang, who is an industry analyst based in Silicon Valley who helps his clients solve how new technology connects to companies in different markets to their customers. And, you know, if you actually go on his LinkedIn profile, he has, he connects companies to their customers using new technologies, simply put. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, and globally renowned analyst. I follow him on Twitter. I follow him on LinkedIn. And I just love a lot of the stuff that he puts out. It's so insightful. And today we're really going to talk about what are some of the trends he's keeping track of as an analyst due to COVID-19, as well as the future of work, and a little bit about his background and all of the things that he's doing to get accustomed to what we now are experiencing in remote work? Jeremiah, what's up, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here, everybody. <laughs> Glad to have you, man. How are you holding up? Uh, you know, it has its ups and downs. You know, yeah. we're all going through this in different ways, but I'm just glad to be healthy and alive. Yeah, no, dude. So happy to hear that, man. Are you currently in your amazing van? <laughs> yes. I'm. Well, it's not a van. This is an Airstream trailer, and I got it before the pandemic, and I'm sure glad I did because uh, they're in hot demand right now. <laughs> they're in hot demand right now. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about, you know, your background, man, in terms of the work that you've done. Um, as an analyst and how you got started in technology. Sure. I worked in corporate. I worked in tech startups. I've been in Silicon Valley my whole career. And um, I was hired as an industry analyst at a top firm. I was trained on the methods. And then I've launched about three firms in the last few, uh, in the decade and more. And I am um, and I really track trends and what do they mean to businesses and now even broader into society. Yeah, yeah. So you, you mentioned you've always been in Silicon Valley um, for most of your career. What draw, drew you to moving to Silicon Valley? Oh, yeah. I've always loved tech and I always wanted to be around tech and what's next. And I get excited about the things that come that are that are coming that are new. You know, I don't track the technologies that are, are mainstreaming and like dominant. I'm always looking for what's next. And, and I built a business model and a career around thinking about what's next. And that really fuels me. Man, no, that's I, I love that, man. I love that. So, Jeremiah, let me ask you, man, what are the current trends, two to three trends that you've been keeping track of that's happening right now due to COVID-19 that you're really, really excited about? Let's dive deep on it. Sure. Um, two come to mind, and then we can discuss some other ones. The first one is a distributed workforce, which obviously you're an expert on as well. Uh, we have no choice but to be split off into different factions and people are working in remote ways. And when you think about cloud-based technologies, it's almost like cloud-based work where you can pull in folks as you need them. You can assemble teams on the fly or the worst case could be everybody's on Zoom calls every day and feeling burnt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's often the case. <laughs> yes, it can be the case. The, the, and then there's new communication tools that are emerging out there. I see them like virtual uh, communities, clubhouses about to go public in general. The second trend is tech, health, and wellness. Uh, we obviously, people are getting sick and, and, and suffering and even dying, that, so we're using tech for that. But for those that are just struggling with taking care of their fitness, their body, their community relationships, or mm. even their physical health or their fitness, we're seeing a rise in new technologies support tech uh, wellness. So those two are enough. I mean, the third trend could be, you know, digital 
ethics and digital mm. trust, which ties back not only to the tech space, but also into inclusion around every race, creed, culture, age, um, gender as well. Yeah, no, I love that you mentioned tech ethics because I think we're seeing a resurgence in the importance of tech ethics and actually a shift in how people are seeing um, ethics play a role and how they want to safeguard their data. They want to make make ensure that it feel they, they feel protected and also at a national level too. Right. How countries are, are are taking making policy stances on that. What are, what are your thoughts on some of that? Um, all tied, uh, you know. There's yeah. been a number of moves. Uh, and all of this was related back to politics, the presidential election, um, yeah. foreign state actors, data, privacy, um, inclusion. I mean, this they're all tied. Uh, but basically, it comes down to trust. Do mm. we trust the t- tech companies? Are we willing to give them so much data so we get convenience? And, m- and many consumers and users, they don't even think twice of it. They're willing to give that data up for a free piece of software. They don't even think about it. They're willing to take an mm. online quiz and give away important personal data without thinking about it. it might be going to another country that may not have your best interests in mind or a corporation. So, yeah. And, and then, of course, we've even seen the big t- tech companies pull back their business deals with police departments and military around facial recognition because they're not really doing it in an ethical way or they haven't thought about every single type of person out there in every skin tone. And so they're realizing that they need to be proactive and and they're asking for the government to regulate. Uh, So these are all big issues. So there's a a framework around um, politics, the economy, society, technology, uh, legislation, Mm. It's called the PESTEL framework uh, and environment, excuse me, last one, PESTEL, P-E-S-T-E-L. And that's one way to think about all of these things together. And that's what typically tech analysts look at a market like that. Man, it, it, so for you, you know, what do you foresee happening um, with kind of, I think, this human behavioral shift that we're seeing, as well as I think a lot of companies like even Amazon, um, and we're building God on Amazon's web services um, mm-hmm. server, and they're taking a huge stance within their workforce, as well as beyond their workforce. So what do you see happening within the next two to three years? Tech companies are now starting to be proactive because they've been slammed and criticized for Mm. the way they treat both their workers, partners, and users. And so they're really trying to lead with what is the right thing for the world. And and that's going to be critical. And all of these things come to uh, bubble up, boil over um, as we approach November's election, where there's going to be heightened heightened uh, scrutiny over who's doing what. Uh, Everybody's going to be analyzed in this way, especially if a technology which has significant impacts over um, elections uh, starts to emerge. So now is the time they need to be proactive. And as many stories as I can find of of companies doing good when it comes to digital and tech ethics, I can find Mm -hmm. just as many stories, if not more of them, not doing it right, both out of Mm -hmm. negligence, both out of just going for capitalistic dollars but sometimes just ignorance they're not even being aware of what they're doing Mm. and they're not being intentional too you know even for us you know we're a startup but we were intentional from day one and actually kind of getting a code of ethics in place on how we think about user data and protect especially in the enterprise space which you know a lot about (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes so that that's that's critical is who who owns the data who creates the data who created the data schema first of all does it represent the users and the world? It doesn't represent the right users. And then uh, do you have ability to access it, the ability to delete it? Do you have the ability to transfer it? Uh, do you have the ability to change it? Uh, you got to be clear. Um, by the way, most of the most of the times that information is in the terms of service. Mm. 
but it's not readable and or it changes frequently. It's not user friendly. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true, man. So let me ask you, what are some of the tech gadgets? Because you mentioned Clubhouse is one of the apps that you're you're actively on right now, uh, right? That's popping in, in in Silicon Valley. What are some of the tools that you currently have in your remote work toolkit? Uh, remote work toolkit, yes. So that is certainly one, and I'm meeting the some amazing folks. Um, I mean, we're using you know Slack, uh, G- Google Apps. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we experiment with a number of collaboration tools out there. There's um, I use a number of uh, things to track for tasks and notes but then i'm also using the apple you know health kit right to track mm-hmm. my, my well-being and my calories and steps per day to help and somebody's helping it's like a digital coach yeah a virtual coach to keep me accountable that i'm taking care of myself so yeah it, it's like digital constantly around us for better or for worse probably for yeah. worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, uh, I, I mean i, I so i i haven't actually even me personally but it, I don't. I actually have an Apple Watch, and I don't take it with me or use it as much as I should. But I've been super excited and, and kind of keeping track of how powerful that's going to be when people have an opportunity to actually unlock their personal health data at any time. And we're even seeing kind of you know the acquisitions of Mirror or um, by I forgot what the Lulamon on how people are now actually being more proactive about their health. It's now in home. You're more cautious of it, especially due to COVID nineteen. Um, and healthcare is a big industry that I'm sure you're looking at. Do you have yes. any more thoughts on, you know, where you see kind of digital health as well as the future of work overlapping? They're tied. So there's yeah. already been, I mean, so there's a number of enterprise software companies where they enable for employee well-being. Uh, and this can encourage them to take steps or to do challenges. Some of that is criticized, by the way, or it's for them to access advisors, especially now when people are feeling mental stress. Or maybe you can uh, find an online psychologist or have access to mindfulness software. So that's a whole class. Or there's also some tech companies that want to give wearables to their employees so they can track their readiness state. And there's a certain stat called um, heart rate variability to see how alert and ready you are on your rest. It's looking for um, um, like the reaction time of your heart. I won't get into the specifics, but it's it's whether or not you're ready. And that is actually being um, tested. In fact, every NBA player is being given uh, the aura ring, which is an example of that. But who owns the data was not totally clear. Uh, And so we might see that, uh, especially remote organizations where you can't see your employees, when is the best time for them to do training? When are they most receptive? When should they do a group call? When is the best time to pitch your idea to the bo- boss? When they're when they're tired and sleepy and grumpy, or when they're alert, awake, and receptive? Like that's some pretty important data. Then you can derive some of that from public information, like on social media, and or from these devices that can track those biometrics. Uh, so. Uh, just some interesting ways to think about when is the best time to learn, right? You, yeah. you know a lot about this. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. And it's something that we, we, you know, we see from an analytics um, point of view, really unlocking the power of LND within organizations. You know, Jeremiah, because I, I, I love that you're, you're mentioning this, you know, and what I love about a lot of your analysts, uh, analysis, and often a lot of things you share on Twitter is that you're looking at it from multiple vantage points. You know, who are a few leaders right now that our community should be paying attention to and keeping track of in terms of what they're sharing or companies that are really doing big things that you're excited about? Peloton ha- continues to have my attention on, you know, they're just killing it and growing it into other, um, 
you know, chan uh, other channels as well as new um, modalities of, of fitness plus the, the data they're collecting. Um, obviously, Apple and Google continue to grow uh, in this space. Uh, but there's also some smaller startups. One is called Lumen out of Israel. And you blow into it and you can determine whether your body's in ketosis, which means you're losing fat. And wow. There's a new one I just started talking to called Levels. Uh, that levels health and they will put on a, a, a tracker on your arm to actually see when what is your blood sugar level and this will be a way to determine your health diabetics already wear this but imagine this usage for everyone so eventually you can start to understand when should you exercise when should you eat what should you eat when you eat and what does it do to your body and your blood sugar mm. and we're just getting this real-time continual data flow of of our bodies and understanding that. Uh, and there's also a number of devices where you could wear them and track um, your stress levels called cortisol and, and or looking at people's behaviors to think about their mind. When are they most uh, receptive, the alpha waves, beta waves, ga gamma waves and others. Um, and there's devices called Muse. You could wear that and people use that to really perfect their meditation. But that could be used or other devices like that, maybe not so crazy looking, to really find out what is the best time to work. When is mm. the best time to learn? Right, this would be useful information. Yeah, and I, I definitely, you definitely got to share links to all of this with me, so I can put it in the comments for our okay. viewers. Because this, sure. this is stuff that I think everyone needs to to really be abreast of and keeping in tune of. Because I, you know, as you were talking, I'm thinking we're definitely moving towards an augmented era, <laughs> where a lot of technology and tools are completely um, augmenting our workflows personally and also mm. our ability to. Um, to holistically take care of ourselves. Yes. So um, what generation do you consider yourself, Tim? Zoomer, millennial? So I'm, I'm actually, oh, I think, what's a Gen Z millennial? I don't know how you could. <laughs> how you could uh, if you fuse Gen Z and millennials, that's me. <laughs> okay, so you are on the cusp. I, I yeah, identify I as a Gen X. Yeah. So I was talking to some uh, Zoomer, uh, Zoomers generation, Generation Z, and the way they work is so different than the way I work. They, it's, <laughs> I, I don't even understand how they do that. They, they use Discord servers and Snapchat. To, to collaborate at their at, for their startup stuff. Wow. And they have six Google Docs just for permanent records, but everything else is ephemeral. It disappears, and they're totally okay with that because the startup itself is going to be fluid. They don't feel like they need to keep a record of it. But, yeah. uh, but the enterprises that you and I work with, you have to have records, then a triple backup system, including offsite, right, with disaster recovery and cloud-based backup, right? But the way that they work is so different. Yeah, yeah. And Snapchat it, but, and Discord. Like <laughs> That's crazy. That's actually crazy, man. Yeah. And it, it it doesn't scale when you think about an enterprise. It doesn't, but that's at you know, at the at the fringes, the startups, right? They they operate in a very different way. They're supposed to be fluid and quickly rapidly changing, right? I mean, so it's a very different thing. They, if they build a PowerPoint deck, it's already outdated by the time their group finishes it. It's true. It's true. It's true. Jeremiah, man, thank you so much for coming on this live episode of Guide Live B2B Jam Session. Where can our amazing guide community connect with you and, and follow more of your work, man? Twitter is a good place, and then I link to a number of things from there. And you can find my first initial last name, J. Ao Yang, at Twitter. Yup. Shout out to Mr. Ao Yang. Thank, thank you so much, Jeremiah, man. We definitely need to have you on for a future episode. What do you think, brother? I'm in. Love it, man. Sounds good, man. Talk to you soon, brother. Thank you. <laughs> With that said, 
that was the amazing Jeremiah Oyang on an episode of Guy Live B2B Jam Session. Man, that guy is awesome. I really, really love that guy. Definitely check him out on Twitter. Also, definitely connect with him on LinkedIn. He shares a lot of brilliant insights on what's going on in technology, as well as things that you want to stay abreast upon in the future of work. With that said, thank you. Today concludes our awesome episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. If you love all of our guests, make sure you connect with them and follow them, be a part of the movements that they're building. And more importantly, let me know what you thought about today's episodes. All right. Talk to you soon. Peace.